This is New Life Christian Fellowship's we weekly message? message podcast. You can Might find us online for a while at to be here, newlifepetaluma.org. Now, I love and the now, this week's message. Stop the chatter. Because it's, it's back there all the time. So we are in a teaching series called uh, The Way of Jesus. And before I take us into that teaching... I would like to pause for a pastoral prayer, and if you would be kind enough, would you please stand out of reverence to God as I pray, please? God, we come first of all with a prayer of thanksgiving. Thank you so much for Shane and Lori and calling them to our church and preparing them for years to do what you are about to do through them here. Would you be with them as they pack and prepare and get ready? Um, and uh, we pray over their journey here for safety, all that stuff. And God, we pray for our team that's headed down to Mexico. Would you give them an uneventful border crossing? Would you carry them safely on the highways as they travel down uh, to Vicente Guerrero and the San Quentin Valley? And would you keep them safe? I know a couple of them are going. They're sort of the walking wounded. One of them has a really bad back, and one of them has a knee that's not working right. And and yet, they got up early this morning, and they're going. And would you, I can't imagine traveling on that van. It's going to be very comfortable. Would you, would you be with them and walk with them? Would you, would you give them strength and endurance? And and maybe a little divine pain medication would help too. So uh, would you work through them in wonderful and powerful ways? And then God, we also want to pray for another church in our town as we do every Sunday. And this Sunday we want to pray for Petaluma Christian Church and Ryan and Kitty Oschlager as as they lead. I know they have a brand new worship pastor and and as he comes and gets settled in, would you help that working relationship to be smooth and harmonious and, and really helpful for everybody? And would you give them a great season this summer as they plan and prepare and work through the summer? And then finally, God, we have a prayer to pray for our country. There's so much tribalism and so much strife and so much division and and people are really passionate about what they believe and maybe not all that understanding toward people who don't feel or believe like they do. And we're struggling to find ways to walk together with people that we don't agree with. Would you raise up leaders in our country that lead the way in this sort of unity? that says I can look at someone with whom I disagree and I can treat them as a fellow human being worthy of every bit as much respect as I get. That we could mutually love and care for each other and show us how to walk together in unity. And Lord, whatever's going on in our lives where we might be accidentally feeding tribalism in ourselves or in those around us, would you point that out to us so that we could be leading the way in loving everyone and doing it in such a way that there's great respect while at the same time 
being able to stand up for and to talk about what we actually believe to be true. That's a big ask, but it's not bigger than you. So we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. Go ahead and grab a seat. I want to talk to you a little bit about the way of Jesus because this is so important. This series that we're talking about, the way of Jesus, we're revisiting this series at several junctures as we work through 2023. And it's a trip through a a letter in the Bible called Ephesians that Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote to the Christians in the city of Ephesus. They were his good friends, and Paul spent a lot of time with them, more time with that church than perhaps any of the other churches that Paul was at during his lifetime. And in this letter, he lays out with greater clarity than any other passage of Scripture, he lays out with clarity what the early Christians called the way of Jesus. In fact, before the church was called the church, it was called the way. It was that deeply associated with the way of Jesus. Now, why is the way of Jesus important? Well, listen, no one has ever impacted the world the way that Jesus did. And the amazing thing is, his way was not complicated. It's really simple. I didn't say it was easy, but it is simple. It's not hard to understand. It's challenging to do, right? But it's not hard to understand. And the way of Jesus, in many ways, it's ironic that it takes the world the, the way that the rest of the world works, and it literally turns it upside down. So Jesus said, if you want to be the greatest, you become the servant of everyone. In a world that continually seeks justice and really has trouble finding it, have you noticed that? In that world where we think justice is king, Jesus comes along and says, mercy is better. Mercy is king. Mercy triumphs over justice. This way of Jesus is absolutely phenomenal. And it, through the power of God, has the ability to literally transform the world. That's why we talk so much about Jesus and the way of Jesus. And that's why what we're going to talk about this morning is so important. Because we're going to kind of peel the onion back and look at one of the core concepts in the way of Jesus. And so I want to talk to us about this concept of being equipped to build being equipped to build because the text that we're going to read through this morning teaches us that we are actually equipped to build. Now, just so that we know, 
I think it's important for all of us to know this, that you and I were created to be builders. I'm not just talking about carpenters or cabinet makers or, or what. We were actually created. It's deep down in our DNA, so deeply and indelibly stamped into our human nature that we have this desire, we have this motivation to build. Now, it's clear from the beginning, the very first page of Scripture, all the way to the end, this is a recurring theme. Let's go back to that first page in Scripture and let's learn something. These are the very first words that God ever said to the human race. So it's kind of important. And here's how the Bible lays it out. God created human beings in his image. Can I say something funny? Okay. Did you guys notice that Shane is really handsome? Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah, he and I look a lot alike, right? <laughs> We both laughed about that. You know, the interesting thing is when God says he made us in his image. We are little mini-me's of God. We're supposed to be like him. There's something on the inside of us that we share in common with the God who created everything that exists. And he's going to point it out to us here. So God's, God created human beings in his image. In the, in the image of God, he created them. He created them male and female and blessed them and said, have many children and grow in number. That gets a lot of press a lot of times. But the next thing he said is fill the earth. And a lot of times I think we wrongfully connect that with having many kids. God was not saying, hey, here's the idea. Go out and have a whole bunch of kids and fill the earth with all your offspring. That's not actually what he was saying there. He did say, go have kids. But Fill the earth is more about what you build than having kids. It's more about what you create. Now, if you study this verse carefully, it follows the whole detailed account of how God created the heavens and the earth. And after he got done saying, let there be light and there was light and, and, and all the stuff that God said, let there be, and it was... When God got done making everything in the universe and everything in the world, he said, now let's make people who do that sort of thing in our image. Oh. And the first thing he said to them is fill the earth with the stuff that you make. Because I have made you principally a builder. That's pretty cool. Because there, 
When we build, and I'm not just talking about physical things. We're going to talk about three venues that we're going to build in that don't have anything to do with buildings or roads or any, any of those sorts of things. But when we are building and creating and designing, it touches something way deep in us because we are being like the God who created us. Now, there are three wonderful venues that God invites us all to become builders in these venues. And these three venues are these three things. First of all, we're to build our own lives. I want to pause just for a moment because I want us to understand that for some people, life just happens to them. Have you ever felt like that? I've been on that end. I know what that feels like. There are other people who just live their lives. But then there's a third level. There are people who build their lives. Wow. Every level becomes increasingly more significant, more enjoyable, and more fulfilling. God invites us not to just let life happen to us and not just to go out and live life as if it's in endless supply, but God invites us to actually intentionally build something with our life. But it's not just our own life. God also invites us to help other people build their lives. This is why we encourage everyone who comes to our church regularly to get involved in one of our community groups because it's in our community groups that oftentimes we help each other build our lives and choose the right values. And we pray with each other when we go through times of struggle. And when one of us is sick, we lift each other up and support each other. It's this community aspect where I'm not just living for myself or building my own life. I'm involved in this process where my life is networked with a whole bunch of people and together we are building our lives. It's an absolutely beautiful thing. And then thirdly, God invites us to build the kingdom of Jesus on this earth. And we talk quite a bit about that too. But for this morning, I just want to say one of the reasons why building the kingdom of Jesus is so important, it's because it's in the kingdom of Jesus where we learn how to do the first two. Where we learn how to build our own life. And where we learn how to help other people build their lives. And that's why the kingdom of Jesus is so important. Now, why would God invite us to build on these three venues? Why those three? Well, because those are the only three things that you and I are going to take with us into eternity. I heard a pastor say one time, one of the things that I've never seen is a hearse with a U-Haul trailer. Yeah. You're not taking it with you. No matter what you own, 
No matter what your zip code is, you're not taking the zip code with you. You're not, you're not taking the toys with you. You're not taking that. No. What you're going to take with you is your life. And what you're going to take with you is the friends that you have helped build their life along the way. And what you're going to take with you is the kingdom of Jesus that's on this earth because Jesus has taken the whole kingdom to be part of the new heavens and the new earth. And that's why the three most important venues that you could be building in are these three, building your own life, helping other people build their lives, and working together to build the kingdom of Jesus on this earth. Now, in our text this morning that we're going to read through, Paul begins, he returns to something he brought up two chapters earlier, which I'll get, I'll get to at the very end of our teaching. But this whole idea of building, he's going to press into that. And in particular, he's going to talk to us about two different aspects of, of building that are really important. So we're going to go to the text. I'm going to read through it, and I'm going to pause and comment here and there, but eventually we'll make our way through the whole text. It begins, this is Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. Christ gave each one of us the special gift of grace in full measure, showing how generous he is. There are three phrases in there that I have highlighted in yellow. The first is each one of us. There is this inherent feeling that we all have that some people have it better than I do. Anybody have that feeling? Yeah, I know. This is church. You can tell the truth. We all have that feeling, don't we? They get all the breaks. Yeah. Or if it wasn't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any at all. We all have these things, as Darby said, that's the chatter, right? That, that gets going in there. Paul wants us to know that, listen, each one of us gets this beautiful gift that he's going to talk about. It's to every one of us. And then the second phrase that's highlighted in there is the gift of grace. And, and one of the dangers of, no, it's not a danger. I think something we do that probably doesn't play out best for us is when I use the word grace, we think it's synonymous with the word forgiveness. In other words, God extends his grace to me in that he forgives my sin. And while that is a big part of God's grace, God's grace is way bigger than just the forgiveness of sins. I'm going to ask you to show your age. Anybody here remember John Houseman in the Smith Barney commercial that, that was on TV 40 years ago where he said, at Smith Barney, we do things the old-fashioned way. You remember that commercial? I see one or two, yeah. Well, three words followed that. We do things the old-fashioned way. We earn it. When it comes to grace, 
I want us to correct our understanding of grace. Grace is not just forgiveness. Grace is anything you get from God that you didn't earn. Anything. And he's about ready to talk to us about these gifts. And by the way, a gift by definition is not something you earn, right? These gifts that Jesus gives, we don't earn. That's why they're grace. And, and the gifts he's going to talk about have nothing to do with forgiveness. But he wants us to know each of us gets them. It's a gift of grace. And then the third thing that is highlighted up there is we get them in full measure. Nobody gets any more than anybody else. We all get the full load of whatever it is. Then Paul, like any good pastor, gets on a diversion. And he puts in a sort of parenthetical thought here. So let's go to his parenthetical thought. And here's what he says. That's why it says in the scriptures, and he's pulling from the 68th Psalm, when he went up to the heights, he put captivity in chains, and in his triumph, he gave gifts to people. That sounds complicated, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, there's a logistical problem, first of all. The he is Jesus, and it says, when he went up. The logistical problem is, if you're Jesus and you start in heaven, where's up? You're as up as it gets. That's like getting on an elevator in a 15-story building and you get on on the 15th floor and you push up. Yeah. So he's about ready to explain that to us. But before we get into the explanation, I want you to see something that I think is so amazing. When Jesus went up, wherever that turns out to be, he put captivity in chains. Hmm. Paul wants you to know, and Paul wants me to know, that whatever it is that holds us in bondage, Whatever it is that we are drawn to that would actually destroy us. It could be temper. It could be alcohol. It could be sexual immorality. It could be anything. Whatever it is that captivates our spirit but would destroy us. Jesus took that and he put it in chains. Is that a big deal? That, my friends, is a massive deal. And whatever is binding you today, it could be anxiety, it could be fear. It, it, it could, again, it could be almost anything. Whatever it is that is holding you captive, Jesus came and he put it in chains so it no longer could have that power over you. I, I just think that's awesome. And then... He gave gifts to people. Once he kind of went to our prison cell, unlocked the door and said, go free. And then he said, I have some gifts for you. But Paul has some explaining to do because he knew that people were going to ask, well, if Jesus went up and he started in heaven, how's that working? So he's going to explain that to us. And that's the next part. When it says he went up, 
What does it mean? It means that he first came down. Because if you're on the 15th floor of a 15-story building and you want to go up, you have to go down first, correct? And that's literally what he said. He went down. Now, stop with me and think for just a minute about what we know about the life of Jesus. How far down did Jesus go? He could have gone from the 15th floor to the 14th floor, right? And then he could go up. But if he went only to the 14th floor, he would never know what 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, and the rest of them look like. He would never know any of the people on those floors, and he certainly would not know what the basement was like. So when Jesus went down, how far down did he go? Well, he took the things that you and I normally associate uh, with not our favorite part of humanity, and he became those. No one ever grows up and says, man, when I grow up, I want to be a servant. I want to be a slave. If anything, we, we associate shame with that. And yet the Bible says that Jesus left heaven, came to earth, and took on the form of a slave. Wow. There's something else no one ever prays when they're a kid. I want to grow up and I want to be poverty stricken. I literally... Don't want to have anything. I want to have one set of clothes, and I, wanted, I, I don't want to know where my next meal is coming from. I want to be that broke and that poor. And yet, as you read through the life of Jesus, he lived his life in such poverty that the day that he died, they cast lots or threw dice to see who would get his only piece of clothing just had one. Jesus never got up in the morning, went to the wardrobe and said, what shall I wear today? That's all he had. There's something else. Jesus was shelterless. He said to a young man one day, who said, yeah, I'll follow you. This looks like fun. You're healing everybody. You're a popular guy. There's thousands of people around you. I kind of like this gig. And Jesus said to him, look, the birds have nests and the fox have, foxes have dens, but I literally don't know where I'm going to sleep tonight. Not too many of us grow up praying, Lord, make me shelterless my whole life, or I'll never have a house. When Jesus died, he was executed as a criminal. None of us grow up saying, I hope when I go out of this place that I go out via execution. No. Nope. When the Bible says that Jesus went down, man, he went to the basement. And he experienced the things 
that you and I hope we never experience. Now he goes on to say, so Jesus came down and he's the same one who went up above the heavens. Now talk about that. All the way from the bottom of humanity to above the highest heavens. How's that for an emotional swing? That's a big one. Yeah. So that he might fill everything with his presence. Can I say it to you like this? No matter what floor you live on in this building of humanity, Jesus was there. He wanted his presence to fill it all. So now that Paul is done explaining how Jesus went up and how why he went down and all that stuff, he returns to this concept of building. And he talks about these gifts that Jesus gave. And here's how he describes it. Now, Christ gave gifts to people, and then he starts listing them. And here they are. He made some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. I'll bet that's not what you thought the gifts were going to be. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about this whole thing is, right away, you notice those are all leaders, right? So basically what, what Paul is saying is that Jesus gave leaders to the people. Now, in this upside-down kingdom of Jesus, this is really interesting. Because in the world, the people belong to and serve the leaders. But in the kingdom of Jesus, the leaders belong to and serve the people. That's pretty cool. That's an amazing thing. And by the way, friend, wherever you lead, may you be a Jesus kind of leader who belongs to the people and who serves the people. And may you never be the kind of leader that you think the people belong to you and are lucky to have you and that you force them to serve you. Because leaders are to be a gift to people and not vice versa. Wow. And then he finishes this passage by saying this. Christ gave these gifts so God's holy people would be thoroughly equipped for the work of serving and building up the body of Christ. There's the term building. Did you see it? Building up. We are building. And yet, in order to build, there are some things we have to have, and leaders are to help us get those things. And, and in this passage of Ephesians chapter 4, there are two primary requirements to building that Paul is talking about. And the first is what Pastor Shane talked about last week. And that is, if you're going to build anything, you've got to have the right tools. So what are the tools, okay? Well, humility, gentleness, patience, love, unity, and peace. Huh. You know what Paul is saying? If you want to build your own life, if you want to build somebody else's life, if you want to help build the kingdom of Jesus on this earth, you have to, in some degree, possess 
these tools. Because if you don't possess these tools, you will be like a carpenter who shows up at a job site with no tools in the tool belt. You're just not going to be able to build. So if you want to increase your ability to build your own life and to build somebody else's life, try enhancing and working on your own humility and gentleness and patience and love and unity and peace. Because those, my friends, are the tools with which we build. But there's a second thing we have to have, and that is skill. Because you could take the best tools and you put them in the hands of a rookie, and does it guarantee the building will stand? No. <laughs> in fact, it could be dangerous. So where do we get the skill? That's what Paul is saying. He says, you know what? The leader's purpose is to train and equip the workers. That's how leaders serve. By the way, that's what I'm doing here this morning. I'm trying to help train and equip you to learn how to build your life and to learn how to help others build their lives. It's that training and equipping so that we end up with skill in this life because leaders are actually highly skilled workers who are continually learning. In every uh, area of, of endeavor, there are people that we consider experts or artisans. And in a company, the people who are best at doing something are the ones that, when the company is organized correctly, are doing the training of the people who are newer. Because you want your most experienced people training your least experienced people. But does that mean that the most experienced people are done learning? No. No. And in the kingdom of Jesus, the leaders are training and equipping, but they're also still in the learning process. Because we know this, in the kingdom of Jesus, everybody's loved, Nobody's perfect, which means everybody's still learning, right? And anything's possible. As we close, I want to go back two chapters where Paul first began to develop this theme of building. And I want to read a passage that we read two chapters ago. Paul says, we are God's masterpiece. Wow. That, mean, that means God is a worker, an artisan himself. We are are God's masterpiece. Not just a run-of-the-mill product that God throws out. We are God's masterpiece. And then he says, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things. We can be building the good things that God actually created us to do. And friends, when we get it right, the church is this wonderful place where we build our own lives we partner together to help each other build our lives. And together, we build the kingdom of Jesus on this earth.
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love that you've created us to build. We love that you built us first, and then you said, now go build and build something good. Build something great. Build something that will last for eternity. And do it in partnership with the people around you. And oh, by the way, do it in the context of building my kingdom on this earth. So God, would you help this to be a week where we take the next step in building our own lives, where we take the next step in helping those around us build beautiful things into their lives and where together we help build your kingdom on this earth. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.